thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Training for Keeps, Episode 1. I'm Brian, and this is Michael. And in this first episode, we're going to give you a little bit of introduction about ourselves and what this podcast is about and what motivates us to be here today. So, Michael, why don't you take it away? All right, I'm going to start at the very beginning. I'm going to date myself a little bit here and tell you that as a kid, I used to check stock quotes in the newspaper. I know a lot of you might not know what those are, but on, on Saturday or Sunday, I'd get the Saturday, Sunday newspaper and check check the different quotes and just look at this huge page of all these numbers. And they didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know what they meant. I just I was always fascinated by them. I'd look at big names like a like a GE, and it would move 1.5%. And I was like, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. But then I'd see these other ones, these names I had never heard of, moving 10, 20, 30%. And I always kind of had this fascination with them um, as a kid, but never never really got into them. And so, but I I knew about them, I was aware of them, and, it, you know, but then 30 years went by, and I never I never started trading until just uh, until just recently. Uh, my first brush with uh, a potential investment trading was with uh, Bitcoin. I came very close to buying it in 2012, uh, but unfortunately, I did not, because I didn't have a lot of money, and the warning system that was up there on Bitcoin, every time you went on to the next step, they kept saying, oh you're probably going to lose all your money here. And I'm like, I'm about to invest like $212, you know, like, like, oh man, rent's like $500, you know, so I can't, it took me a, so finally, after like the 15th warning, I decided not to invest $212 into Bitcoin in 20, I think it was 2012 anyways. And so my, my first, uh, my first dabble in the markets had to wait a few more years until 2017. Um, 2017 is when I, when I bought one share of Amazon for a thousand dollars, thousand dollars. Right. And of course, you know what I did next? It went to eight fifty, <laughs> And then, so it, it had dabbled around the eights and the nines and the tens, got back to a thousand. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I sold it. I believe I sold it in the 1200 or 1300 at some point there. But I was like, okay, I can see the market moving. I can see things happening here. And then 2017, if you remember, everything was just going up like crazy. And I, I tried I tried to play on lumber liquidators. Um, if you remember that, they had the, a, a scandal with some Chinese wood where they were, they were, I forget if they were actually giving somebody diseases from it. It was a whole mess. It was lawsuits against them. I figured, okay, well, all the lawsuits are in. It's sunk enough. They're going to come out with a settlement, and the price will go up. So I bought some, and that, that ended up not happening. I think I ended up getting out about even, and I bought for like 20, sold for 20, and I think it trades around 10 now. So I had Walmart. I held Walmart forever. I felt like six months. Never moved. Just sat there. Ninety five dollars. Um, so that was, but that was my, that was when I first really got into the market. It was May of twenty seventeen. Amazon, lumber liquidators, uh, Walmart. I even had some Tesla, which just every day it was either up a hundred or down a hundred dollars. It seemed like. Oh, so. yeah. Just like now, right? <laughs> just like yeah, just, just like now. Uh, so Brian, what what about you? What's what's your background? So, How did you come to this? So I'm just kind of a mid thirties year old gentleman. Um. I've always been interested in the stock market, even as a little kid. So I don't know if you ever did this at your school, but we had the stock market trading game in eighth grade. And this is, for me, this was like the early ni or late 90s. And I just remember, you know, if you bought any internet stock, you know, you went sky high. This is before the internet, you know, uh, bust. But uh, I remember I had some AOL and I was like, what? It's split? What is this stock split thing? Oh, man. Uh, and it was great. But then another kind of interesting story. We played the same game in college. And I, my background, I was a materials engineering major in college. And they said, you know, why don't you choose a stock that you think you'd be in your future career, right? And I was in, I was a senior in material science, uh, materials engineering 
uh, program. And I said, you know what? I don't think I want to be an engineer. I want to go to law school. So you know what? I'm not going to follow the rules of this game. And they said, instead of saying how much money you had to play with, they said you could buy a certain number of shares of stock. So I immediately went and bought Berkshire, you know, BKA for the most money. <laughs> and it moved just fractionally, right? And, you know, I beat everybody in total dollar, not like, you know, gross percentage, but, uh, you know. But a dollar game. Yeah, yeah. It oh, was what huge. A, what a great strategy. And so. You, uh, play the, you play the game to win. That's yeah. it. Uh, we're, we're, well, just like we're, I think it fits perfectly with a podcast because we're training for keeps. He played for keeps right there. That was a good move. Yeah. So I didn't even know that story coming in. Yeah. Great. <laughs> they modified the rules after after my year of doing that, uh, but I got a nice little uh, award. I got this giant remote controller, you know, so that was nice. And they gave somebody else who actually had played the game legitimately, you know, I think you actually bought Apple stock. And it's, it still went really good that year, but uh, a good award. But yeah, so uh, since, you know, graduating back then, this was um, 2008, I, I went to law school and then I've always kind of just had a fascination with the market, you know, and I kind of just, you know, I play around with it. I'm an enthusiast. I like to track stocks. You know, I, I follow Tesla and I follow other stocks and um, I just like, you know, trying to get that edge, trying to see how things are going. So that, that's my take on it. I'm an enthusiast. I'm, I'm not, maybe it's not as serious as Michael, as you'll learn later on, but, uh, but I have a lot of fun and a lot, I think it takes a lot of energy and takes a lot of, uh, you know, unique perspective to try to understand these things. So what would you say that you, uh, you, you focus on the most right now? You said you're enthusiast. So you, are you following the headlines? Are you trying to find an undiscovered sector? Yeah. So I think, so I have a, I kind of have a unique job. So I work in tech a lot and I see, I work at a university and so I see a lot of new technologies coming out. And so these new technologies, people will launch companies around. And um, so there's a lot of university startup companies out there uh, that are based on university IP. And I could spend a whole episode talking about this, but basically, you know, I follow those companies. I think this, there's a lot of potential in those. And so that's where I kind of will invest in. I'll see kind of like, you know what, maybe there's something that has a lot of potential for the future. Maybe not, it could totally not happen, but um, that's where I kind of try to find my hidden gems. I'm, I'm not looking at the technical charts. It's something, do I believe in it or not? That's maybe my general philosophy now, but maybe that'll change. You know? What about you, Michael? What's your what's your philosophy? I'm like, why? Are, what do you are you a trader or are you an investor? What's what's your I, strategy here? I am. A, I guess the best description would be a discretionary rules based trader. I trade penny stocks, Nasdaq listed penny stocks. So I only I don't play any of the OTCs, any of the true garbage. I like the ones that I know everybody out there with a Robinhood or Acorns account can get up in the morning and trade and buy. 1.5 shares of. So I try to get the ones, the, the kind of the lowest hanging fruit that every degenerate gambler out there is chasing. <laughs> so do you um, consider yourself a gambler or do you think that, or do you think this is a legitimate strategy that will win in the long term? What's I your perspective here? My strategy, I look at myself as a professional gambler. I take the easy money yes. that's laying over there in the corner. I don't chase crazy rabbits. I don't have crazy theories. Um, I play the structure of the market. I play the structure of the individual stock on that individual day. I do look at the long-term charts. I love to trade ones that are into getting into uh, uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. um, those are called breakouts. Um, but basically, that, that's essentially my strategy right now is I trade penny stock NASDAQ breakouts. Um, I don't wanna, I'm not gonna get into that too much today though. Today I wanted to concentrate more on uh, background. How, how did I get to this point? Really an introduction about myself, an introduction about Brian, um, because the point of this podcast is really to provide some resources and um, and just some different different perspectives for people that have not traded before. Um, right now, it's uh, 2020. We're recording this in January 2020. 
It's probably not going to release for a couple of months. But this has been, I mean, I hear people comparing it to 1999 in terms of the amount of new money coming into the market. And even when there's not this massive surge of new money coming into the market, uh, 80%, I don't have true data to back this up, but I've heard as much as 80% of traders are out within the first two years, which tells me 80% of traders at any given moment are new to the market. And so they're looking for resources. And now given 80% of those, some of them are going to survive. Some of them are going to do the homework. Some of them are going to put in the time, money, energy, blood, sweat, and tears and become truly successful traders. I think the resources that you discover along the way, whether it be a mentor or a certain pattern or a psychology, you have to put, a, it's a whole puzzle essentially that you have to put together. So I'm hoping to maybe provide one or two of those pieces for the next generation of great traders coming up. So maybe I'm going to bring the skeptical voice here, you know. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of folks, you know, that they're trying to get you to invest in their investment scheme, you know, or, or do this thing, you know, you'll make a million dollars. We all get those emails, you know, the Nigerian princes, whatever, you know. And then, you know, I, I read these studies, you know, and it says, you know, you know, like 11% you know, of money managers can beat the S&P 500. That means like 89% can't, right? So, you know, it seems, you know, how, how can you convince me or why do you think this is going to be working in the long term? You know, is it or is it, you know, what, what's the answer here? I guess my individual trading, how am I as an individual trader going to succeed? In the yeah, or how can people out there, you know, if, if you're just an individual trader out there, right? You know, what, what, why, why shouldn't I just sit my money in an index fund? I mean, there might be reasons why, you know, as an individual, I like to, you know, I find it interesting and fascinating to try to follow these technical trends or follow these or invest in companies I believe in. But, you know, if I'm, if my sole goal is just to you know, seek alpha, right, make money, right, then why, why is this a, the, the preferred way to do it versus something else? You know, why not, why not go to the casino? So if you have, if you know how to count cards, you might, you might have an edge at blackjack. Okay. You very well may. I don't have an edge at blackjack. I've never studied it that much. You know, they always, I feel like the casinos are pretty pretty dedicated to stopping card, card, card counters and making sure that, you know, somebody's not able to take them. The casino, see, the casino always has an edge. That's one of the key things is the casino always has an edge. In the market, there is no true casino. There is no holder. There is no master of these games, you know. It, it, when you go to the casino, the, the casino always guarantees that at least 51% of the time, they're making money. 51%, that's all they need because they know enough people are going to show up. In the market, it's not like that. Yes, you have commissions, or actually you don't need more. Commissions are now free, mm -hmm. so that even that's gone. But there's still ways that uh, the brokerages are making money. And I guess you could consider those casinos, but there's still individuals that do make money. If you read some of the books like Market Wizards, um, or you can just go out there and find 100,000 people that have beat the market. Mm -hmm. Read Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. Mm -hmm. Incredible book. What was that? Written in the 1920s. Uh, Brian, have you read that book? I, I haven't. Maybe I'll have to put it on my reading list now. All right. Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. If you are interested in trading, that's a piece of the puzzle you absolutely need. It's written in the 1920s about one of the greatest traders that ever lived. And the, and the stories in it, they, they still ring true today. He was able to be a successful trader, make and lose hundreds of million dollars over the course of his life. Um, but he was able to do it consistently when he, when he, had, the, when he had all the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, now, I'm not knocking index funds. I have an IRA. Okay, I do. I have a separate IRA, and I hold all my money in that IRA in VTI, Victor Tango <laughs> India. It is the all-market fund. And I do just like everybody else should do with their retirement account is put away 
a hundred and some odd dollars a week for a month or whatever, you know, you max out your IRA contribution for the year and you buy VTI and you sit on it for the long haul. And I have that. My point with the market right now is to actually become self-employed. Mm-hmm. I consider myself not an entrepreneur, but a hustler. Um, this is not my only source of income, and I don't even recommend that anybody that wants to be a trader have trading as their sole source of income. Because that locks you in front of the screen just way too much. Eight, 12 hours a day, you mm-hmm. feel like you constantly have to do, have to trade. Um, where my strategy, I actually only trade the first hour. If I'm not in a trade by 1030, I literally close my program so I don't get tempted to go look at it. Okay, okay. So if someone wants to get started on this, you know, how much money do you think they reasonably would have to have in their bank account to do this thing? What kind of people are we talking about that can actually try to do this now? So right now, with the rules the way they are, conditions being free, I would say $2,000 is enough to start. Literally $2,000. You can honestly start with $200 because commissions are free. Mm -hmm. The barrier to entry is so low. It used to be that it was a $5 every trip. A trip is uh, to go in and go out of the market. So $5 to make your purchase, $5 to sell your stock. That means $10. Every single trade was going to cost you $10. And if you didn't make at least $10 on it, then you know, then you were still in the hole. Even if, you, if your actual trade without commissions was $8, you were still $2 in the hole. But now all commissions are gone. You've got a lot of free um, brokerages out there that kind of started it, Acorns and Robinhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't particularly like either one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, Schwab, all of them now are offering free commissions. And it's an unprecedented time where you can go and buy one single share of a stock and then sell it an hour later. Now that we have this free trade, free trade and uh, no commission trade, and the market's kind of, you know, we're at an all-time, we're getting close to all-time highs, it's been doing well for the last few years. Is this strategy, you know, maybe only successful in the market's going up now, or is it something you think you can work out long-term? My strategy focuses on particular stocks that basically there's always something hot. It's right now, um, it'll be interesting when this actually airs. Um, because right now we're in the middle of the coronavirus. <laughs> so we're like day, we're like week one of the coronavirus and the market has just... Is the Trump impeachment still going on? I don't know where that's going to be. Yeah. The Iowa caucus hasn't happened, right? There's a lot right. of potential for movement, right? Yeah, so we have, yeah exactly. But like, this is where we're at. We've just taken, the, the market has just taken its very first downturn. But there's a whole bunch of stocks out there that helps with Ebola. They provided a mask that helped people not get Ebola. So now everyone was like, oh, well, I bet you now that the coronavirus is out there, this stock is going to go right back up because they still provide the same mask. And if it can prevent Ebola, surely it can prevent the coronavirus. Right. So the, these little catalysts can get every day, you know, every day Joe Schmoes out there with $50 in their account to start buying these stocks. So talk about the, these brokerages. They all went to free trades and all that. You know, are they making it up in some other way? Are they like, you know, every time, you know, there's a, maybe there's a spread on the trade, you know, is this, are they just getting us in another way, you know, or is it legitimately, or did everyone just wait in the public and this happened, you think? Right now, I think the brokerages are working on it, but I'm going to, I'm going to mention another book, Dark Pools. Okay. Got to read Dark Pools. That's another one. That is electronic trading. Um, that is really just, it, it goes into all of how these brokerages are making money. I currently trade. Think or swim, TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. um, which is considered some of the dumb money. That's where the dumb money goes to play, okay? <laughs> but they sell their they sell their orders. Mm-hmm. They sell their so I know for a fact that they don't actually take my order to the market for me. They sell it to somebody in Jersey. You can 
look it up, I'm sure, and find out who they're selling it to, and then they take it and execute my order on the actual exchange, you know, and it gets passed and routed through NASDAQ and everything. And everybody along the way takes a little quarter, you know, a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of a penny type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but I think with the huge massive inflow of new money, I think that despite what they lost in commissions, they might be making up for it. And I think they're working on it. There was a reason Robinhood and Acorns existed for years before everybody else dropped their free commissions. Mm -hmm. So I think they were all working on dropping their free commissions once Robinhood and Acorns came out. Yeah, yeah. I guess people still want you to put, park your money in a brokerage account. You know, they want to have your business, you know. I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, they're working on it. They're gonna. I don't know exactly how they make their money, but read. You know, after if that happened like a quarter ago, mm -hmm. and they're gonna have new documents coming out, and they're gonna have their 10Ks and their, you know, their all their other filings. Mm -hmm. If you really want to know, you can just go read those. They'll tell you. Okay. They they put it in relatively plain English if you read far enough. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, it seems like everyone's on a level playing field because we all have to deal deal with this kind of thing. But uh, maybe just. So when you're in your morning, you say you trade for that first hour. Like how intense of an hour? Do you have like you know a million different screens open? Are you trying to read all a million things at once? Are you trying to click super fast? You know, what kind of you know level um, you know focus do you need to do to try to try to do this kind of thing? So no, um, I'm not going to get into my plan today very much. Okay. Um, but basically, I do most of my homework right before. I have one scanner that I run at the open, and basically, basically as a trader, uh, your job is to not trade. That's the, that's okay. the key is to not trade. Find the in that you have to essentially just find the stocks that fit your plan to an absolute T, and you can't find one single reason not to trade it. And then you go, okay, well, I'm gonna commit 150. I'm gonna lose 150 dollars on this trade because that's where you set your risk at. For me, it was I set my risk. It's 100 to 150 dollars. That's okay. my risk. So I go, okay, I commit myself to lose. This hundred to hundred and fifty dollars, um, and I I go ahead and I make my I make my like putting trade. your chips into the, in the I put it in. Yeah, yeah right. I'm like all right, I've lost that money. It is what it is, type of thing. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, my plan succeeds and gives me a profit, mm -hmm. and gives me a profit larger. Or in the long run, it's giving me more wins. I have a statistical advantage mm -hmm. in trading. We call that an edge. Okay. So I literally have an edge right now that I've been honing. Over the course of the past uh, three years, essentially, it's really just become successful for me. I would say January of this year, I stopped losing money July of last year. Okay. So it's, it's a fascinating thing. It took me two years almost to stop losing money. And then it took me another six months to hone and dial in this one particular plan, one particular pattern to finally start getting me success. And I know here's what the thing is though. Every new trader out there is like, just just tell me. Tell me that that strategy, that one pattern, that one thing that you honed in, just tell me that. I could tell you and you wouldn't make money with it. It's something that you have to develop yourself. Mm -hmm. My I do work full time. Mm -hmm. I I don't like it, but I do work full time right now. You know, I've got a wife, we've got cars, there's a baby on the way. There's a whole lot of things going on and I have to make ends meet right now. And I've got that full-time job that provides that for me. I don't want to do it forever, but that's where I'm at right now. So I have developed a trading plan that fits that strategy. I get into work early in the morning. I put out the little fires that I have to put out, hopefully. And, you know, by the time 9.30 rolls around, I have everything under control. And things are quiet, and I can watch the market open. Okay. 
I don't, I don't want. And then I'll enter a trade between 9.45 and 10.30. And I always have a stop set, too. That way, in case I get a phone call, customer shows up, I have to walk away from the screen. My money is protected. Worst case, I'm going to lose that 100 to $150 that I already committed to lose. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a, I mean, a good strategy. I was concerned about, you know, if your boss walks in, you're like, I gotta sell it. I, you know, I can't get to the mouse and click the button, you know. You know, that sounds like a, a you know, dangerous scenario waiting, waiting to happen. But let me, let me, <laughs> real quick, if you're a good employee, your boss isn't gonna mind you trading a little bit. For real, he's probably gonna ask you for a stock tip. That's actually what happens. Yeah. I, like, oh, wait, what do you got? What do you got up there, man? Like, that's my boss. He's not worried that I'm not working. He knows my work is done, but he's like, oh, what are you trading today? Oh, that could be a whole he, separate topic. I agree. He always wants the hot tip, yeah. like everybody else out there. And I said, don't, don't trade this. I don't I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a coin flip. I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> No, I agree. I mean, I think, again, one of those things, as long as you're getting your work done, as long as people are happy with you, you know, I, I think a lot of, plenty of people are goofing off at work, you know, if, if you, if, now and then, now and then. And I'm sure like a few minutes in the morning is okay. So, um, no, that's, that makes sense to me. Um, so you, you think, um, you know, with the, with, with the way things are going that, you know, if you're making more money, are you going to keep, you're going to take some, are you going to cash out some gains or are you just going to keep rolling, you know, using more money and more leverage to put stuff in the market or what's, what's the, is there an end game here? Or what's, what's the, what's the strategy? All right. Great, great question. Cause this is, this has evolved over time. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, when I had started and have any strategy at one point I found this great strategy and I did, I kind of had an exit strategy in mind. Um, if you guys are familiar at all, if you've been trading for a little bit, you're familiar with the pattern day trader rule. You have to have at least $25,000 in your account or you can't make more than three trades in, a, in any five, five business days, which severely limits your ability to actively day trade. So I got around that. Get a cash account. You can't short stocks, but if you get a cash and you can't, and there's no leverage. So I don't use any leverage. Mm -hmm. And that's why I stick to penny stocks because they're cheap. And so I can only, you know, my account right now today is $16,000. That's how much I have to trade right now. My goal is to make that up to $50,000. Mm -hmm. And at that point, along with my other side hustles, I have vending machines. I, I do some freelance writing. Uh, it's ghostwriting. I can't tell you who I work for, but you may have read my articles. <laughs> um, but I do. I, so I've continued to hustle. I continue to have other streams of income, especially if I can move my strategy into a full-time strategy, I still want to be able to turn my computer off at 10.30 if I'm not in a trade and start on some of my writing, go fill my vending machine, something like that. Maybe there's another business I want to get started, but anything where I'm working for myself and making 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 my own thing happen. So, so back up just a little bit. I'm going to go back maybe yeah. two conversations, but you said, you know, there was this, there was a time when you were losing money, you know, and then, but then something kind of clicked and you had this process and you kind of switched into gear. I know that process, you know, probably take a long time to explain it and it might not work for everyone. But maybe was there was there some kind of you know is it a mental shift you know was there something you know outside of trading or is it just you started taking it more seriously or is it you know did you did you go you know read something did something inspire you what was what was the like kind of click in your mind like aha here's what I got to do to make this work to stop losing money so I finally it was a it was a process of first I traded a whole bunch but I traded small I stopped so I, I continued to lose money in this process when I dialed back my trade I just said hundred shares that was it I was going to trade hundred shares hundred shares in hundred shares out. My most expensive stock I was buying was $6. You know, I was playing 20 cent stops. So I'm like, I'm looking at losing, you know, $20 per trade, worst case. And given my, my account at this time, it was bottoming. It was, it was scraping 8,000, uh, which is, you know, I'm double that today. So I'm doing a lot, lot better. Yeah. But my peak was also uh, close to 30,000. And I was all the way down to 8,000. So it was a 
bit of a mental block where, you know, I used to have so much money in this account and now it's so much lower. Um, so I just, I tried to focus on positives at this point and I was trading a whole bunch of little strategies, but I actually started trading strategies. I traded first green day gap ups, you know, I was trying to look for, I, I'm trying, I can't remember all of them, but I was trying to look for a catalyst on a low float, just a bunch of different things. And what I did was I journaled all my trades and I took every one of those trades and I just journaled them and I categorized them in some way. If it was a first day gap up, first green day, that means it was, it was going down, 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 down. And finally today it went up. So I went ahead and bought it at the end, hoping for a big gap up in the morning. I was terrible at that strategy. For some reason, I couldn't. I thought it was the best strategy in the world. People kept talking about it on Twitter, on, on everything else, in these chat rooms, first green days, where is that? I never made a dime off of it. I mean, I'm not saying, like, I went back and I kind of, so after several months of, of making all these little trades, I went back and I categorized all my trades. And I just looked at the winners. I was trying to keep a positive mindset because negativity breeds negativity. So I go, okay, positivity breeds positivity. So I looked at all my winners. And all my winners, I had no more than one or two in every category, except for one. One category had 14 wins in it. Okay, okay. And it was my, it was a multi-day uptrend bounce off support. Was how okay, that sounds very complicated. Right, it does. But that was it. That was the one. And I don't trade off of support anymore now, okay? But it gave me just enough that I knew I had a direction now. And I said, okay. This is what I trade now. I now trade multi-day uptrends off support. So, so I like I like this. So someone I mean, doesn't understand all the words you just said right there. You know, I think, and this maybe applies to life. But if you have a thesis, right, you try to you know disprove or prove your thesis, right? And you know, you saw this one thesis, and you know, people say this works, you know, and then let's test it. Well, it doesn't seem to be working. Okay, let's try and form a new thesis. Let's test that. And it sounds like you know you got that thesis to work, and that's kind of a you know at least a generally successful strategy. I mean, so maybe that's something. You know, just on a, a conceptual level, and I think we can all appreciate, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, trying things out, you know, seeing if it works or not, doesn't work, you know, for you, and then, you know, implementing that strategy going forward. So for new traders, that's one of the big things I would recommend doing is going and making 100 trades, 1,000 trades, however many trades you need to make, but make sure you have a reason for every entry and every exit. Know why you got in that trade and note it. Journal that. Give it a reason, a classification, if nothing else. So you can classify it as something. Like I had gap ups. I had first screen day gap up. That was what I was looking for. The one that I ended up going with, I was it was this obscure strategy. The multi-day uptrend off support. Mm -hmm. Right? It sounds kind of obscure. Who yeah. trades the multi-day yeah. uptrend off support? Because one of the things that people think when it's been going up so far, well, I don't want to buy this high. Yeah. Well, what I've realized is a lot of times it can keep going. And I also, you know, you don't don't care about the reasons of it so much. And that's why I dove more into the technicals. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like, these strategies, you know, so, you know, in the training that I do, you know, I, you know, I subscribe to my own thesis. I try it out. I try to, you know, make it successful. But I think it's, it's one thing to do it in a conceptual level, like with play money or fake money. But when real money is on the line, to, to put it in there and to just try it out, I think there's you'll you'll really test who you are, and it's it's a much more real scenario than I think if you just were like you know I'm gonna just play this game in the theoretical, right? I think anyone can do that. But when you actually put the money in the table, you'll actually realize like what kind of trader are you really are, you know, what kind of you know, person you really are. And I think that at least for me, that's where I find a little bit of excitement, a little bit of entertainment, but also you know I think that's you know it's kind of a Thing as humans, you like to see what's going to happen, right? You know, am I smarter? Did this did this make sense to do that or not? And, you know, and, uh, 
you know, sometimes we get burned and sometimes you get down to 8,000 and sometimes you can double your money, right? So, so there's definitely, I think, you know, not just the, you know, the satisfaction of getting more money, but I think there's some, you know, enter, some satisfaction of knowing that you're right or you were able to successfully execute a strategy. And I think that's one of the key is to be, to be right in the long run, not right on every single trade. You're going to be wrong on individual trades. Um, there was a time and um, I traded this this tiny stock. You, you may have heard of it. IGC. So, what is, you, so caveat audience listening here. So Michael would tell me about his trades and he just knows a bunch of letters. He, he never really knows what these <laughs> stocks are half the time. So this, this is this is a, maybe an outlier. So, so Michael, tell me. Tell me what this, what this stock is. I, I will tell you what this stock is. This stock is, it's one of the most garbage stocks to ever exist. Okay. It's one of the worst companies in the entire world. Oh, man. I don't believe they've ever actually made a dollar off of anything. They just follow... Every little hot thing they're doing, like in, during the crypto craze, they were like, oh, we're thinking about a cryptocurrency. And then their stock went up like $2. And at one point, I was holding this stock in the pennies. I want to say I was holding this at like $0.42 cents or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, and so I had traded it in its very early stages. Um, but it was a – and um, I, I haven't looked at it in a while. But at the time, it was listed as working on a cure for Alzheimer's using marijuana. Oh, my and – no, it gets better. And – they were also renting construction equipment in India. So they had a very solid business model because, you know, who doesn't want to rent uh, construction equipment from the person that is figuring out how to cure Alzheimer's with weed? So, like, isn't. Oh, I'm sure this, you know, must have been like this tremendously yeah. like, Indian guy, construction worker with his PhD and MD. You know, this and if you genius. Google, and, you know, every, every, every company, every publicly traded company has to list an address. And if you went to the address listed, you could go to Google Earth and it would drop into this little town in Maryland. It was a house. It was like a one-story house that had a daycare sign in front of it. So I'm like, okay, so we're hedging our bets with a daycare. I'm like, <laughs> all right. So they're renting construction equipment in India. They're curing Alzheimer's right, with uh, with marijuana. And they're also running a daycare. I mean, apparently the daycare is not that significant because they didn't even put it on their, uh, yeah. on, on their reports. So anyways, this stock out of nowhere starts climbing during the weed craze of 2008. And this is the time where my account was in the 20 to 25,000 range. And I was battling the pattern day trader rule. And I decided today is the day. Today is the day that I will exceed the pattern day trader rule, leave it behind, and never have to mess with it again. I will be able to trade as much as I want, whenever I want, with as much money as I want, because I can leverage myself to the hills. So... This was also the day that I discovered market tuition. Market tuition is the tuition you must pay to the market, and the market decides that amount. So as uh, as IGC just spiked from $3 to $4, I chased it the whole way. And you know what? I finally got filled at $4. Uh-oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, it went back to $3. Uh-oh. But the mental aspect of it yeah. now, now all of a sudden I'm down 25%. I've actually put there's this account this trade is worth more than my entire account now because I'm using leverage like an idiot. And I couldn't bring my and then but it came back during the course of the day. It slowly climbed back up, slowly climbed back up, slowly climbed back yeah, up. And this okay. is where the psychology comes into it. I go, okay, you know what? I am gonna get it. I am I'm a genius. I'm gonna make more than I ever imagined here. It's gonna go right back above it. So I was in at 406. And it came to 403 and tanked. 
it closed the day at like 380 or 280 I'm sorry 280 it closed the day below three dollars the lowest point of the entire day and I'm still holding 6,000 shares I've got a margin call my phone literally rang E-Trade called me I have a margin call out I have to sell my stock well this is a Friday I decided not to sell my stock on Friday because I read their rules. They said I have five days to sell this up, and I'm not actually in the hole just yet. <laughs> so I said Monday will be the day. And I, but I, you know what? It drove me crazy. I lost my. I didn't sleep that weekend. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a runner. Brian's a runner. That's how, that's that's how we met. That's literally how we met. I went running because it's one of the most meditative things I can do. And I run, I run trails especially because you can zone out. I tripped and fell like five times. That's, that's normal. <laughs> no, it's worse. I usually only fall once. I mean, I usually fall, but I fell Show five times. great guys. Don't, don't, don't listen to my guy. I fell five <laughs> times. I just kept falling. I could not. I kept thinking about this trade. So finally, I changed my senses Monday morning, and I thought I have to take a loss. I have no other choice. Okay. I go, at the open, I will see if it starts to trend up. If it, if it takes one little inkling down, I have, I have to cut the losses. And so I did, and I cut my account in half on that Monday morning. So do you, do you even look what happened on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday? Do you, do you ever know what happened? Do you want, do you want to know what happened? I, I know exactly what happened. So the stock that I think I sold at 237, hmm, I don't remember that trade at all, 237 went to $15 by the end of the week. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, so, I mean, if you want to talk about bad beats, I, I, I've done similar things. I So, this is... I was in law school back in the day, and there was, you know, just out of there, got my first job, you know, I was like, oh, man, you know, I remember this is the Farmville craze, I don't know if anyone ever played that game, and I was like, Zynga's just printing these virtual dollars, and these suckers are just buying it up, you know what, I'm gonna go all in Zynga, you know, this is just fake money, right, people are just putting real money and turning into fake Farmville dollars, you know, what a brilliant business plan, <laughs> turns out. Farmville was not the next Amazon or that, you know, it wasn't the next craze, you know, we, we weren't just going to have virtual farms everywhere. It turns out this is more like the hula hoop fad, you know, it, it kind of died off. And so I rode, I think Zynga down from like 10 or $12 all the way. There was one day, um, I don't know if you remember this when Facebook actually IPO'd and um, if you, you know, Facebook, it trades very well now, but in the Facebook IPO, it actually kind of just broke even, but for institutional investors, they kind of made money on that day. But, um, if you're if you're kind of an ordinary retail investor, you didn't actually very make much money. And then over the course of the next month or two, actually Facebook trended down almost into the teens. And there were people like asking, you know, is Facebook gonna die? You know, is it competitive? You know, are there not, does everyone have a Facebook account? Is there no growth? And because of that, Zynga, which was on Facebook's platform, I think they're, they're very much tied. Zynga just started sinking along with Facebook. And um, I just remember, you know, uh, I think you know Nasdaq. They have a, they have a halt if there's just too much selling on the stock, and they they halted it, which is even worse because now everyone beats out. Um, and then it kind of bottomed out at like two or three bucks, you know. And there's there's actually a class action lawsuit against Zynga because like they might have lied to their investors, you know. People are gonna get pennies back on the on the stock, but I, you know, I just kind of I learned a valuable lesson there, you know. Uh, and and I, in Zynga, you know, I. Anyways, Zynga, that's this whole thing, whole thing. But you know, we're all playing words with friends. We're all playing Farmville. <laughs> it just it didn't go that way. But so, anyways, I appreciate your, your story, Mike. I think we all, everyone here in the world has those kind of stories. But we also have those really great days, you know, that kind of you know can bring us up too. So, I mean, you've talked about kind of maybe the worst day. Can you tell us about maybe the, the best day you've had trading or a good day? What's that kind of look like? So yes, I've had some phenomenal days trading here recently. Unfortunately, they're not as exciting as those because I've also. You know, part of part of I realized on that IDC trade was 
I didn't have the right mindset going in. I wasn't ready to take my loss when it went. I had decided something different. And you can't decide anything when you go into the market. The market is perfect. All right, that's it. It's not efficient, okay? It's not efficient at all. Which give that that's the, okay. I'm having a whole other talk for the economists yeah. here. That's the uh, that's that's perfect market thesis, right? Yeah, right. All right. If markets were efficient, a guy like me could never make a buck in the markets, at least not consistently. But markets are not efficient. Um, but they can they can do these crazy things. But they're perfect. Whatever they're doing at that moment is right. It doesn't because there is no right and wrong. That's essentially what you have to remember. Like that is what it's doing. People are buying, people are selling. IGC, a whole bunch of people bought right first thing, and then that whole bunch of people sold. Probably all the people that bought on the way up were then selling on the way down. A lot of people made a lot of money on that. And yes, it went to $15 a couple days later. And that was a perfect move for all of those people involved in it. And, you know, a lot of people made a bunch of money, but I also know, from my experience, a lot of people lost a lot of money on that too. And it's a zero-sum game end of the day. That's one of the interesting things about the market is zero sum. Every single dime you take out means somebody else put that dime in. Nothing about this quantitative easing, you know, this money being these tax, you know, breaks. There's money maybe it could be the pie just grows bigger, you know, potentially. <laughs> could, could we all win maybe just slightly? We could all win slightly. Um, I'm gonna, we're gonna leave the politics for another. Okay, okay. Another episode. Well, Matt, okay. Michael doesn't want us to go there. <laughs> so tune back in for that. Know that there is that we're gonna talk about politics and the uh, and the market. The two are absolutely related, okay. and they're absolutely okay. not related. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but the market is perfect. Whatever price they're at right now is the price because that's what the buyers and the sellers have decided. So you can't ever decide that you're right and the market is wrong because the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Remember that. The market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. That makes so that's sense. a little piece. If you can take that with you today as a new trader just understand that things don't have to make sense. They don't have to have reason, but you have to understand that these things can happen. Not necessarily why they can happen, but they can happen. And so that's why I always set a hard stop loss in case of some bizarre thing could happen. Right now, here in 2020, we've learned a hard lesson for the past three years. Donald Trump, our president, love him or hate him, can move our markets with the stroke of his Twitter account. Anything he says will move these markets. I love China. Markets go up. I hate China. Markets go down. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't want to get into that debate today. Let's do it another day. But anything can move the markets. Any little thing. And with the algorithm trading out there and all these other entities that are moving, all these forces that are moving the market, you just don't know what's going to happen next. And the reason for the move does not matter. But you just have to understand that any move can happen at any time. And always protect yourself. Never risk more than you're willing to lose on a single trade. So, so I'm going to ask one last question. This is just your philosophy. And there may be no right or wrong question here. So, you know, I like to think of, you know, maybe the stock market, you know, baseball analogy here. So would you rather hit a bunch of singles? Are you looking for one home run? Or you, well, what's the strategy here, you know? Perfect question. I, I love this because... What's a what's a good do you do you follow baseball, Brian? Uh, somewhat. I I know there's a cheating scandal going right on right now. <laughs> Different thing. Tell me a tell me a good batting average. Uh, three hundred would be a great. Three hundred. What does three hundred mean? That's it means three hundred every ten times you go to bat, you get on base or you hit. Thirty. So you're saying the best batters out there bat thirty percent of the bat thirty percent. Yeah, right? that's great. That's a great. Average. Okay, so let's take that to the market now. The best traders are going to make money thirty percent of the time. Is that right? No. 
maybe yes yes <laughs> okay. yes yes and no okay okay but it basically says that you don't have to be bad in a thousand to be a successful batter right okay, okay. you don't have to trade a hundred percent winners to be a successful traders and there's all sorts of strategies out there my strategy right now actually returns me i think my um if we call it a strike percentage not to do with baseball because strikes are bad strikes are good in trading okay. regardless anyway so if i strike so every trade i make i actually profit 60 to 70 percent of the time i don't have enough data to really nail that down mm -hmm. right now but i actually make a profit more often than i lose money but there's some traders out there that their winners so far outweigh their losers that yeah. they can actually they can actually only hit 25 percent and but they'll make five to ten times what they invested or what they risked Versus their losers. Yeah, that's kind of like a VC fund. You know, you're betting on startup companies. You know, one out of twenty will make it. You know, but that one will, you know, might be the next Google or something. You know, what's crazy. V what's VC? Oh, this venture capital stuff. You know. <laughs> but uh, no, I, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Appreciate it. So my strategy does it returns more winners than losers right now. But not everyone ends up being a home run. A lot of them actually end up kind of puckering out mm -hmm. uh, with a small profit. And that's where I have a, a kind of a, a very set strategy. I'm I'm going to share my strategy. You know, uh, but I want everyone to understand that it's not special. Mm -hmm. The strategy I'm actually trading right now, I bought a book on Amazon for like $10 mm -hmm. that told me a strategy. He wrote this strategy years ago. So it's like, it's out there. The information's out there. So it's not just one strategy that's going to get you there. I think, um, I think the mental aspect of it is so big. Um, even once I started... I mentioned last July, I finally stopped losing money. I stopped losing money because I really figured out what trades were making me money and how to cut my losses. But I had a missing piece of the puzzle there. I didn't know how to make money still. I knew how to stop losing money. That was the only well, thing that I seems like step one, right? right? It is. To lose, right? Yeah. It, it absolutely is. Stop losing money, step one. All right. You know, digest different strategies, you know, and, and try to like, you know, form your own strategy. I think you know, that's something that we can all all take in and all kind of try to execute on, you know, even if we don't know your exact strategy in the, in, in the book, you know. Well, once I started, all right, once I realized how to cut losses, once I once I knew how to stop losing money, or losing massive amounts of money, I was losing small amounts of money, I was just saying that one strategy, I kept cashing out too soon because I got nervous. Oh, every, okay. Every single time I got up a couple pennies, I got nervous, my heart started beating, I was shaking, I'd take the profit. I'd be like, all right, all right I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let this winner turn into a loser. Yeah. So then all of a sudden I'm you know, I've got all these winners for, for you know, twenty, thirty, forty dollars, and then every now and again I'd have a loser for hundred and fifty. You remember that number that I keep saying I'm I'm yeah. going to lose hundred and fifty. Yeah. But then I'd get a bunch of winners, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. And then I'd take a loss, hundred and fifty bucks. So that was for six months that I just kept Essentially, being even. No, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think I, I also, you know, in my trading patterns, which are very different than yours, um, I think it's, it's something psychological. I think some people are very good at hanging on to something forever. You know, they say, you know, just buy and hold, right? The, the hodl mentality. But, right, it's one thing to be, okay, I got to let things go and, you know, cut my losses. That's lesson number one. But also, just taking a small profit. Oh, man, I, I'm up. I got to sell, right? <laughs> I finally, I won. You know, I got to get out right now. You could be putting, leaving a lot on the table right there. And so that's, Maybe lesson number two. So cutting your losses is number one. Letting your gains make more. It's lesson number, you know, lesson number two. So that was that was key for me though. How do I actually let that happen? Yeah. And that was where I had to develop a very written strategy. I have rules written down, literally written down, of where I take my profits at. And I mean, I'll I'll give it to you. Basically, I take it because 
you don't have commissions anymore, I take them in portions. One times my risk. So if I have 10 cent stop, I take a portion of my profits at a, at 10 cent profit. I take my next my next portion of profits. Um, I'll usually take a quarter of my uh, position off at uh, one times my stop. I'll take half of my total position off at two times my stop, and then I hold leaving me left with a quarter of position. I hold that. I call that my wild card, and I hold that as my wild card. I have set stops. It stays with the structure of the trade, with the structure of the price action. Um, but I allow that to run in case it does happens to be one of those ones that runs from four dollars to fifteen dollars. So has that, has that happened yet? Have you have you activated the wild card yet, or you mostly got in one, two, three? What's 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 what's, what's, I, what's how often does that happen? Okay, my wild card has not activated yet. My my wild card has only been uh, live for two weeks because at first I was taking profits at one, two, three. Okay. But I did that, and I did a couple. Most of the time I take profits at one, two. And I get stopped out for the third at some point, right? That's what usually well, happens. Not bad. Not, not bad, right? Not bad at all. No, I'm turn I'm making more profit than I would have lost, which mm. means you know I'm I'm like, that's 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 the good that's the edge right there. That yeah. means I'm actually making more money than I would have lost, you know. And if you can do that, even betting fifty percent, if you can make a hundred dollars and lose ninety nine dollars, and you can do that every other trade, that's an edge. You have a profitable edge. So I'm just trying to trying to ramp that up a little bit. So yeah, my my uh, my wild card is active for two weeks now, and neither one of them has truly uh, they haven't actually blown off the hook. Uh, but the market the market will test you on that. Anytime you have these little strategies, this little edge, this little thing that you think is going to take you to the next level, the market's going to come in, and it's going to test you, and it's going to make sure that you can follow that. Like if you're like, all right, I'm ready to take losses. You're gonna take three losses in a row. Just, just know that's gonna happen, and you're gonna question everything about yeah. your whole strategy because you just had to take three losses in a row. But if you can hold on and take the next one in the exact same parameters, you might take five profits in a row. Yeah. So the market will always test you and, and really mess with your head a lot. So do you think do you think you'll ever go back to that margin account later on? You know, down the road. You know, if you if you can increase your account by a lot of money, will you go back to that day trading? You know. You know, as much as you want, or let's, you know, or are you just gonna, you know, stick to these parameters, stick to this this style right now? I'll be happy to trade on margin, uh, with a margin account, um, as long as my, as long as I keep my my losses in check. I'll never trade. Right now, I trade one to one point five percent, and actually, I'm below that. I'm trading less than one oh, really? one percent okay. of my account. I mean, I'll I'll have a bigger position that'll that'll take forty to fifty percent of my account, but my stops are in place. Where even if I get stopped out, I'll only lose. Yeah, you're not risking everything. You're not putting all one, in right, right every day, right? Exactly. I'll only lose one percent of my account. Okay. And if you, you know, you can get on Excel and, and put yourself a little spreadsheet together, and you know, if you can make two percent a week over the course of fifty-two weeks, you know, just look at how much that ends up being. Especially if you're continually reinvesting and you're not taking any money out of that, and that two percent goes back, and that increases your account mm -hmm. by two percent, and you keep doing that and doing that. Yeah, I, I think. The poker analogy, because I know a lot of traders are put into poker play. This is kind of the, the, the limit poker player versus the no limit poker player right here. You're, you're, you've turned yourself into like kind of a limit poker player a little bit. Yeah, actually, I think that's a perfectly fair analogy. I'm a limit poker player. I go with a set strategy. I have a maximum loss on every trade. And um, anytime, anytime a trade goes against me, I just, I just take the loss. I actually, and I don't have to, I set, I, I set a hard stop loss on every single trade. 
and when it goes against me, I just let it get hit. Okay. You just let it get hit and walk away, and it, and it, and it, and it messes with your head a little bit, and you have to you have to you know you have to look inside, and really say, okay, why did I take this loss? And you go back through what did you know beforehand? You can't go what you know after. What did I know beforehand that could have stopped me from taking this loss? And if the answer was nothing, then that was a perfectly good trade. You can't judge a trade by your profit or loss. You have to trade. You have to judge your trade by the process you use. So follow the process. Don't be results oriented. You know exactly. Be process oriented. So I, I play a lot of video games. There's this card game called Magic the Gathering. You know, and so <laughs> I'm gonna nerd out for a second. But uh, and this probably applies to poker too. But you know, if you have, if, you know, if you have pocket kings, right? You got to go all in with that, right? You know, or you you know, and if you lose, you know, to aces, you know, that's the that right but the process was right you know you followed the correct procedure and doing that that's kind of process oriented thinking which uh, i think you're good to be advocating well i think we're almost at time here so you know maybe to end our episode right you know on a on a, on a fun note okay on a different non-stock related note I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask you you know we're, we're runner folks here so you know if you're if you're runner folks here you know you can keep listening and if you're not you know that's okay but i'm gonna ask you a, a runner question here okay okay bring it on bring okay it on. okay so can you outrun a terrible diet? Michael Johnson, can you do it? I like to think yes, because I eat a terrible diet. <laughs> okay. And I, and I run, and even this is actually somebody was, some of my running friends were judging me a little bit. We were talking about soda, and I go, I love soda. Let me tell you what, a full sugar Dr. Pepper. Okay. So good. So good. I love a full sugar Dr. Pepper. This is that's what I have in the morning, all right? But you know what I do? I get out and I run like three times a week and I put on ridiculous amounts of miles. I run ultra marathons and, you know, and I don't know. I just feel like I'm not in too terrible of shape and I can avoid, I can, I can allow myself to cheat a little bit with a with a full sugar Dr. Okay, Pepper. Okay, so this is the lesson, everybody. You can, you, can, you can eat like crap, all right? As long as you do a lot of running, all right? You'll be in perfectly great health. Perfectly great. Yeah, so, 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 next podcast, you know, Michael, you know, Michael Johnson, MD, you know, <laughs> uh, eating for life, running for life, you know, that can be the next one. Well, no, I think I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, running has a lot of health benefits, but I also, it will can compensate for a poor diet. I think that 100% agree there. And on that note, I guess we'll see you next time for, uh, for Trading for Keeps. This is Brian and this is Michael. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, please. Rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the podcast, and we will have another episode out soon. Thanks so much.